If you're needing a little inspiration from a multi-passionate entrepreneur who has created three distinct companies that are having massive global impact, then today's episode is one that you don't want to miss. Welcome to The Road to Seven. I'm your host, Sheila Cummins. I am an entrepreneur, a mentor, an investor, a wife, and mom to three beautiful children. Women entrepreneurs are up-leveling and changing the rules for business strategy, leadership, success, money, and impacting the world every single day. The Road to Seven is the diary of business strategy for women entrepreneurs. We meet you where you're at in your business and champion you along the road to your vision. And I am honored you chose to join us today. Ready to go? Buckle up. It's time to hit the road. My guest today is Tanya Hales. She's an award-winning creative storyteller who uses various mediums to evoke emotions, create change, build movements, and color in white spaces. She's the founder of Black Mums Connection, an online global village of 30,000 and nonprofit providing culturally relevant programs and resources to educate and empower the Black mother and her family. The work of diversifying motherhood was the reason behind launching the anti-Black racism consulting business, Color in White Spaces, changing the conversation of diversity and inclusion and making it real and relatable. Tanya was the 2019 BMO for Women Award recipient for Community and Charitable Giving, 2020's L'Oreal Women of Worth honoree, and selected as one of Canada's top 25 women of influence in 2021. She and her words can be found on CBC, Global TV, City News, Globe and Mail, City Line, Toronto Star, Today's Parent, HuffPost, and more. From event planning to freelance writing, from anti-Black racism advocacy to public speaking, Tanya brings her fresh brand of authenticity everywhere she goes, using the power of storytelling to change the world. I hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. My guest today is a multi-passionate entrepreneur with her hands in some really cool buckets. And I've been following Tanya for a while now, both through the Black Moms Connection and also through her work as a speaker, a writer and a speaker. And Tanya, one of the things I'm curious is, I know you're multi-passionate, which came first, your community or the speaking? Neither, technically. (laughs) My my journey of entrepreneurship started actually when I had to leave my last place of employment. I had been doing event planning for over a decade, did it for an event catering company, different nonprofits like Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and loved it. I love that every day was different. And maybe that's why I'm I'm in a in a place now where literally every day of my life is very, very different from the one before. And I was writing for a website and they said, we're going to start doing events. Do you want to do them? And so I became an entrepreneur basically overnight. Didn't know what I was going to call my company. Didn't know anything, but I knew I had to incorporate and get my papers in order. So that way I could start charging people and, and did that. And, you know, writing has always been a part of my life. I'd say since high school, 
but I didn't want to give myself the title of writer. I felt like I hadn't earned it because I hadn't made any money or I didn't publish in fancy places that most people could just know about off the top of their head. So I, I would say I am a writer at heart for, for a very long time, but the, the actual, you know, doing it for a living and, you know, doing pretty well at it, that, that, that did not start and same with the community that did not start at the beginning. The beginning of everything is event planning. Amazing. I love that your first step was to go and get incorporated and get all your papers in order. Cause Tanya, I can't tell you how many people are like, yeah, I started making money. And then I was like, Oh, I guess I have a business. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, well, the scary thing was it was a U.S. company that hired me. So I was very much like, Oh, probably have, should have my P's and Q's, I's dotted, T's crossed since money is going to be crossing a border. And, you know, I had learned the hard way before about, I thought, oh, having an HST number makes me look more professional. No, having an HST number means the CRA is going to expect that you are collecting HST. So (laughs) I learned like, okay, let me just start with incorporating first and then work my way towards whatever I need later on. But like a lot of entrepreneurs, I just hit the ground running and you know, there was no business plan. There was no strategy. There was no market research. It was, I have a client and I need to invoice and thankfully do the work that, you know, I was already doing. And so you did that first event. How long did you play in the event space? So as an entrepreneur, I had that company in from 2016, did that client's events for, you know, until 2019. And then the world decided to close in March 2020. And I I took that as a sign pivoting to virtual events. just wasn't my jam. I need the I need the I call it the texture of events. I need that the DJ is doing for his sound check. I need to hear the coffee percolating. I need the vacuum lines on the red carpet. Like those are the things that get me excited. I love that moment of silence where everything is set. It's ready to go, but the doors haven't opened yet. It's peaceful. It's quiet. It's clean. You can get your pictures. You can say a little prayer to the, to the universe and the weather gods. And then you'd open the doors to the delight of guests. That's what I need. And you don't get that with virtual. So the pandemic is what really pushed me to pivot into what I'm doing now with writing and speaking. Yeah. So tell us more about that. Sure. I mean, it was, as I said, I had been doing some blogging, whether it's for myself or, you know, some smaller other sites. But I'll say that my life has a freelance writer slash freelance journalist slash 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 is an embarrassment of riches. I'm very, very lucky in that I rarely have to pitch. People put in a good word for me to the publications and then the publication takes a chance and then I do okay work and then they decide to call me back and I'm ever so grateful for that. So that's how Global Mail happened. That's how Toronto Star happened. Cottage Life was so random. They're like, we saw you tweet and use the hashtag Cottage Life. And I'm like, I was like once. (laughs) And they're like, do you want to write about cottage life for us from a black mom perspective. I'm like, sure, you know, and so and then even just things like CBC and CBC parents, all these entities, today's parent, like all of them are really just inbound to me as a writer, which is definitely not usually the case for writers. I was just going to (laughs) say, I was just going to say that is not the usual. No, I am 
terrible at pitching because I don't have to do it frequently enough. I have no practice. So I have this like terrible mentality that I expect to get everything that I pitch because I'm like, well, of course I'm going to get it because like I never have to pitch. Um, That's not how the real world works in the world of writing. So and then speaking was just an extension of that. I love telling stories. That's why I call myself a creative storyteller. Mm -hmm. I love writing stories. I love talking the stories, whether it's my own or that of other people, especially if I can amplify communities that are important to me. Of course, the Black community, Black women in particular, as much as I possibly can. So I think it was just a natural extension. I was the kid that got the she talks too much in class and her report card. So it feels very fitting to be able to to get paid to talk too much. And I think also, too, storytelling is the world's oldest way of communicating, of giving instructions, of passing down recipes. And so if I can go into a bank and do an anti-Black racism workshop, but not call it a workshop, just call it a conversation, it's more likely to be real and relatable, which means that it's going to resonate and they're going to take it with them as opposed to this thing that I had to sit through for an hour and they don't care about, I want them to care. And I want them to know, hey, this matters inside your workplace, but also outside of it. So that's really the approach that I take. And I think the the underlying connector to everything is that I'm authentic. Authenticity is really important to me. How I am on Twitter is how I am on calls with CEOs. And, you know, really just, I think that that's why people root for me and they're okay to say, hey, you should you should have Tanya speak at your thing or you should have Tanya write for your platform and publication because I put myself out there in a way that people are like, oh, I can trust her word. She's true to her word and true to herself. You know, I, I'd like to come back. So I'd like to build on the storytelling. But before that, I'd like to come back to something that you said, which I think is really important. And it's that I attracted people to my writing. And you also acknowledge that that's not normal. Normally, writers are having to pitch and pitch and pitch and rejection, rejection, rejection. And what I'd like to push a little bit on is they had to know and find you to be attracted to your word. And so where were you and how were you sharing that authentic voice that enabled them to find you so that they could say, hey, I want you to write about cottage life from the perspective of a black woman. Yeah, that's a really great question. I would say just, well, what's funny about that question is I'm actually terrible at actually promoting myself because I don't like ever feeling salesy. And I remember speaking to someone from a bank. He's just like, but telling stories is sales. And I'm like, dang it, you're right. But (laughs) I'm still like, I don't like a look at me, look at me, look at me. Like I'll share something once I'm like, I'm doing a thing. And then I walk away from it because I don't want to, you know, be that person who's pushing every 14 seconds myself, right? That doesn't feel genuine to me. So I would say just socials, you know, specifically Twitter. I call Twitter my digital playground. I have a lot of fun there. I can go from being entertained to enraged in about 3.5 seconds because that's the nature of the platform. It's very much a roller coaster ride. It is not for everybody, but I learn so much and I'm seen because I'm there pretty frequently. Instagram, Less so just because it requires, of course, a visual. And I don't always have visuals to go along with what I do. I do now a little bit more because I'm trying to be more intentional about my Instagram. But really just write for yourself first. And I think that that's the thing. Like, you are a writer if you write. 
<laughs> it doesn't matter where you write or if it came with a paycheck or not. Yes, in the beginning, you might have to write for free or you might have to write for $75 a post. But the more you do, then the more that you can develop. And for me, again, because I'm normally on the incoming inbound part of it, my rate goes up based off of who's paid me the most. So when an entity says, oh, we do 600 per post, I'm like, well, that's my new threshold, right? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't have to think about what am, am I supposed to actually be charging more? Probably. Right. But I'm okay with using that as the benchmark. I'm like, well, I'm not writing for like $75 anymore because I can make 600 right? for less writing. Right. You know, right. I'm like, I'm doing like my first feature magazine article and that was like, 2A and I was so excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, $2,000. And so now that's my new benchmark of like, if I pitch to a magazine to do a feature article, I'd be like, well, this is, this is the minimum that I now require because I have one of these under my belt and that was the money that they paid me. And I think just in terms of I'm, again, I'm a sharer of information. So when I had someone come to me on Twitter, she's like, you're who I want to be when I grow up. I'm like, you don't want to be me when you grow up. And, you know, kind of gave her, she's just like, how much should I be charging X, Y, and Z? And I told her, I was just like, hey, listen, this platform, they only, they only pay me 150, but it's a parenting platform. And, and that is the, the, the niche and the lane that I am being considered as a thought leader in. So it just adds to my overall repertoire of saying, I'm a parenting expert. I go on City Line and talk about parenting. I go on CBC Parents and talk and write about parenting can find my words in today's parent like if there's one thing that tanya can talk about and to write about it's parenting so i think it's just a matter of not everyone should try and be walmart you have to figure out how to make yourself the beer store and that might take some time you know and figuring out like what are you passionate about what could you get on stage and talk about for free passionately for at least 15 25 minutes you know, and there's certain things and there's three topics for me that I figured out. I'm like entrepreneurship and branding. Like I'm very big on, you know, I'll look at a show and I'm like, why don't they have, you know, a Twitter account that would be tweeting out the soundtrack or where I can get the outfit that the character is wearing? Like I'm always thinking about those kinds of things, the branding and the the brainstorming part of it. I can obviously talk about parenting and motherhood. And then, of course, you know, being black, I'm a black woman, I'm a black mother. So the representation of black people, anti-black racism, those are my three pillars. That is what I write about. That's what I can talk about. Can I do other things? Can I talk about beauty? If it's going to be from one of those lenses, right? And so I think it's just, I'm going to turn and look at my wall where I have written down my words, because I couldn't come up with just one. Words of the year are alignment, boundaries, Clarity, focus, and reframing. Wow, and those are great. Clarity and focus came first. I had mentors who said, you need to get clear on who you are and what you want. And I'm like, okay, mentors. And then once I had that clarity, I was able to focus. I'm not going to try and write about everything. I'm not going to try and pitch everywhere. I'm going to run this lane that I've been placed in. I'm a thought leader in this particular space. Yes, I can branch out, but truly, honestly, this is the direction that my life is taking me in. So take that one. The universe has literally said, hey, Tanya, you're good at this thing. You've become a thought leader. You People look to you for your opinions, your words on this particular thing. So own that thing. So that's 
that's that's my feedback. So choose your lean and own it. Like that could just be, you know, I mean, we need to put that on a T-shirt or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you're watching the Olympics, maybe so often they might, the corner of their eye, look to see what their competitor is doing. But the moment they turn their head, that's when they trip over their own feet. You cannot watch other people's race while running your own. That is the quickest way to fall flat on your face. Do I have friends of mine that I'm excited for them, but sometimes I'm like, dang, like they're getting these deals and they're getting these things and I want those things. But then there's people who are looking at me like, dang, Tanya's getting these things too. So I'm just like, I just have to run my own race. The universe has given me a path, very clear path. They put like those flashing neon lights, like run this lane in this direction and I'm like, all right, universe, I grab my backpack and, you know, pack some snacks and let's go. <laughs> Never leave home without a snack bag. Dang, like, I don't leave home without snack. But that's also, you know, trusting the universe a little bit. Yeah, but the universe won't steer you wrong. It'll steer you in a direction that you are not expecting. It will, it's not going to explain itself to you because it is a matter of trust. It is a matter of saying, you know what? I... I'm going to land on my feet. I'll be okay. One of the things that I've been saying frequently for the past couple of years is um, really getting rid of a scarcity mentality. And specifically when it comes to money, my new mantra about money is money will find me when I need it. Mm -hmm. I am not going to worry about money. As a freelancer, that can be somewhat disconcerting because you're waiting for people to pay you. When you're a writer, it's net 60, net 70, net 90 sometimes you're waiting three months three to six months sometimes a year to get paid for something that you wrote eons ago but i'm like i i but there's so much money in the world and i have too much talent for for me to worry about where my next paycheck is going to be if i pitched and i hustled probably be able to make more than i do so i'm like yeah but you know the fact that you said that there's more than enough money out there there's loads of money out there and it will come to me like from your mouth to the listener's ears hear that you know because yeah. I think so many people don't stay in their lane and don't really claim that space where they can be that thought leader because they're chasing the dollar yeah I stopped leading with money a long time ago because every single time and especially like even in event planning or even in writing Every single time I took on a client for the sake of money, those are the nightmare clients. They end up costing you more because they change their scope of work. They're late with paying you. They, they want to message you at nine o'clock at night and nine o'clock in the morning. They are the nightmare clients. Not all money is good money. You have to be discerning. And I, I know everyone's just like, Oh, but I'm just starting out and I'm a new entrepreneur. And, and no, it doesn't matter because the minute you, if you price yourself in the basement, it's really hard to level up to penthouse. So you have to, this is where market research comes in handy and people don't do that enough. When I was pricing myself as an event planner, despite the fact that I had done it for so long, I didn't know how to price myself as an entrepreneur. So I went to Google. So I'm like, what do event planners make? Yeah. And it was a range of $35 an hour to $150. i am like, mm, I don't think I'm at 150 level, but I'm definitely not at 35 so I priced myself in the middle so that I could work my way up. Yeah. And every year when I renewed with that particular client, I went to buy $10. And because it was US, I was still getting more money anyways because of the conversion. It was win, win, win. Right. So I think it's really important. Like 
you can't just launch a business and, and say, this is your price. Where did that price come from? Have you thought about how long it takes you to make said product or to sit down with said person? Have you looked at the market to say, okay, what does a person who is an employee make? Because an employee makes less than a contractor or an entrepreneur, right? If, if you're someone who does marketing communications and you go on monster.com, I don't even know if monster still exists. And they say the average salary for a marketing communications manager is 60K. Well, then probably have to multiply that and say that is probably because an employee is going to make less. They're going to make less because they work for someone and the benefits and all this other stuff. So you have to look at what does someone who owns their own marketing and communications agency or someone who works for an agency, you know, a contractor make per hour, per project. Like, how do you want to charge? Like, the market research is the part that is the most important, but the part, the biggest part that people skip over the most. Well, I think it is. One of the places I push a lot of entrepreneurs when it comes to their pricing is understanding the cost of running your company. And it's expensive. Client acquisition, <laughs> marketing, right? There's, it costs money oftentimes to get clients, operating costs, paying yourself, paying the government, putting some away, having profit. And when you're just doing that basement Basement pricing, as you say, you know, you're missing out on a whole opportunity because you cannot actually grow the company because you're just charging yourself out as an employee. So I love that you are like, here's market rate. I'm going to go a little bit higher and then I'm going to be working up because now I'm running this company and this is what I'm going to pay myself. Yeah. I absolutely. love it. Tell me about how Black Mom's Connection came to be because it's really neat. Yeah. Black Mom's Connection started as a Facebook group. In 2015, specifically before that, I was at a splash pad with my son. It was two at the time. And I asked myself, do they make sunscreen for black people? Because fun fact, if I went to Shoppers Org Mart today and picked up some copper tone, I could spend two hours trying to rub it into my skin and not look like Casper the Ghost, right? That zinc just doesn't go with the black peoples. And probably because most people, black included, believe that black people don't need sunscreen. I mean, not true. We do still need the sunscreens. So, and I could have gone to Google, but like most moms, I was in Facebook groups on Facebook for moms and I knew I wasn't going to be able to get an answer to that question because I saw what the reaction was to any type of racial question, even yes. innocent ones in this particular case, like sunscreen. So yes. I asked 12 of my friends, I created this thing, would you join? They said, yes, it was born January, 2015. You know, I was like, I don't know what I was doing. I was just like, it's a Facebook group. Join if you want. And then in spring of 2016, we went from 400 to 4,000 members in two months. And it was directly aligned with the killing of Trayvon Martin and the launch of Black Lives Matter. And Black moms were looking for a space where they could say that they're afraid for those, for themselves, afraid for their sons and not be gaslit and not be told they're playing the race card and all the other things that we get when we bring up race. So I was like, all right, well, this is a thing now. This is this is a thing that people want to need. And so we incorporated in Canada as a nonprofit October 2016 so that we can take the conversations offline. I'm big on tangibles. Yes, yes. yes. I haven't been able to tell. I'm very big on do the work. And so I wanted to be able to, you know, as I said, take the conversations that were happening in the group offline and, of course, seek sponsorship for it. So we have 
you know, conferences, financial literacy courses, different workshops for wellness, a wide variety of things. We have grants where we will make a payment to someone's rental mortgage if they're facing some housing insecurity. You know, we have an emergency grant where people can use it to buy food formula, whatever they need. So a wide variety of things with the support of amazing partners and sponsors. Yeah. And today it's an online global village of almost 30,000 moms That's and, you know, a national nonprofit organization. And I was like, I just wanted to learn about sunscreen, which, <laughs> you know, I did eventually get the sunscreen. Shout out to Black Girl Sunscreen made specifically for and by Black people's for us. And it's it's done the job. I took it to Barbados. I took it to the Dominican Republic and didn't burn and came back with an even tan. I'm like, all right, I'm sold forever. Good stuff. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how so many businesses are started because we had the need for that thing? In your case, a conversation, a place where you could ask open and direct questions to people who would get it. Yeah, I think that that's the genesis of all good entrepreneurs. They are figuring out what problem needs to be solved. And I think that that is sometimes missing. People are I'm always yelling at people. I'm just like, is this a business or is this a hobby? Because people will have something that they're good at. Someone has told them you should sell this. And then they turn around and think that they've made a business out of it. No, you've just monetized your hobby. Those are two very different things. I think it's really important. And so, and even from a nonprofit standpoint, it is according to the government of Canada, it's a corporation because it's incorporated. It just, instead of hoarding profits and giving it to shareholders, we hoard the profits and give it back to the community. That is literally the only difference between a for-profit and a non-profit. There's no such thing as a social enterprise. It is not a category the government of Canada has. It's just a social enterprise is a for-profit company that does some good work. It's, yes. it's not a, an official category. So for me, you know, I, I, I have businesses. I have multiple <laughs> businesses and again, accidental. And I think it's really important that people figure out like why the first time I did an accelerator course and the question is, why should general society care about your nonprofit? Mm-hmm. And I was like, dang, that's a really good question because I've never had to justify it to outsiders. But I I need to be able to do so because outsiders, and when I say outsiders, I mean outside of the Black community, are the allies and the people who are holding the purse strings. So I had to figure out what problem am I solving with BMC? And at the end of the day, healthy moms equal healthy communities, cities, and economies. Full stop. And there's a ton of statistics that back me up on this. And so if we can pour into a group of moms who are generally excluded from mom conversations, we're not the mom influencers, we're not the ones who are getting the huge brand deals. And even when you Google image mom, you know, you have to put black first in order to get pictures of black moms. You know, that that is the problem that I'm solving. I'm just like, we're creating healthier moms who can raise healthier babies. When we say healthy, I mean, economically, you know, emotionally, spiritually, physically, healthy moms equal healthy communities, cities and economies. The end will stop. This is why everybody should care about what BMC does. You don't have to be a member. You don't have to be black to care. And for it to matter. That's the problem. If you cannot figure out what solution your business is solving, you need to go back to the drawing board. Right? Absolutely. There are so many truth bombs in this interview. It's amazing. 
<laughs> I've got two questions before I let you go. Sure. First question, what do you know now that you wish when you started? I wish I was better at self-promoting myself. I hid myself at the peak of when, of the height of my successes, especially in my event planning business. My Instagram account was closed because I had a stalker and I thought that was going to be a way to protect myself. It wasn't. And so it, if I had just been louder about the things that I was doing, I'd be in a completely different space. I might still be doing event planning and charging that 150 per hour. I don't have regrets about it necessarily, but I feel like I'd be in a different position. I think BMC would have probably always been a thing. That was luck of the draw. That was us being in the right place at the right time. We were an online community before everyone was forced to have online communities. So yeah, I would say just being louder about my wins and who I am and what I do. So a ton of people in my life were like, oh, I thought you were a writer. I didn't know you planned events. And I'm like, what? Or vice versa. They're like, I thought you planned events. We didn't know that you wrote. So letting people know, you would like to think the people in your life know what you do. They don't. No, they have no idea. They have no clue. And we can't expect them to know unless we tell them. So I guess no time like the present. Yeah. Get loud. Turn it up. (laughs) Tell us what's next for Tanya Hales. What is next for Tanya Hales is in five weeks ish, approximately on May 18th, I will be doing a TEDx Toronto talk. Fantastic. Yes. I'm very nervous and excited. Nervous because Fun fact, you have to memorize your TEDx scripts. There's no prompt. There's no notes, nothing. It's all memorized. That part gives me a little bit of anxiety because I've never had to really do that. I'm great at speaking off the cuff and I could talk for eight to 10 minutes, but you know, the structure and the pauses and what am I doing with my hands? Yes. All that stuff. (laughs) What's Uh, your topic, Tanya? It is exactly about diversifying motherhood and why BMC is important and and that. So when I say that the universe was like, hey girl, this is your lane. This is what you're going to be talking about. And also too, like it all ties back together because TEDx being added to my bios will now increase my speaker rates. And I know this because I've already done the market research and I'm already undercharging anyways. But now going through this bootcamp and doing something that not everyone gets to do just means that, you know, yesterday's prices not today's price and working on trying to get a literary agent so that I could write a book about mm-hmm. this exact very topic and rest. <laughs> That's my second quarter goals. Delegate more, move things off my plate, make space for the great things I know that are coming. There's, I don't know what it is. I was asked by the Ontario NDP to run for the writing that I live in. And I was like, wait, you guys went to my Instagram, saw my pictures and said, this would be a good candidate. I was like, whoa. But that's a just a, a sign that people are watching Yes, what you do. So that's why you have to put yourself out there. It wasn't something that I'd ever thought about or considered before. I did turn it down, so I will not be running in the <laughs> provincial election for several reasons. But, you know, that has just opened up a curiosity and planted a seed in me. I'm like, hmm. Maybe it is something that I can do in the future. So I'm just leaving. I want to clear as much clutter away, both emotionally and physically. So in that way, when the next big thing comes my way, I'm ready for it. Fantastic. 
Well, I've got my ticket to TEDx Toronto, so I'm looking forward to hearing you. We'll be sharing about it. Hopefully we can coordinate the release of this podcast with your talk so we can cross promote. People are going to want to connect with you. They're going to want to learn from you. They're going to want to talk with you. Where should we be sending them, Tanya? So I'm all over the E streets. You can find me on LinkedIn, of course, you know, where I try to be semi-professional. If you want more SaaS from me, Twitter is definitely that part. Tanya Hales on both those platforms on Instagram. I'm the Tanya Hales because someone else has my name. But I'm like, that's annoying. Oh. If you want to support and learn more about Black Moms Connection, it's Black Moms Connection on Instagram and LinkedIn and I'm going to force on Facebook where we still have our villages. And yeah, if you want to learn more about what I'm doing, what I'm up to, socials is usually the fastest way. I don't update my website nearly as fast as I should, but the woods. My life moves way faster than I can update it anyway. So, well, thank you for stopping and just checking in with us for this, this podcast. We really appreciate you and appreciate your message. Thank you so much. I had a blast. Oh, likewise. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Road to Seven. If you found value in what you've heard today, please leave us a five-star rating and a written review. You might just get a shout-out on an upcoming episode, and you never know when I'm going to be mailing some surprise treats to our reviewers. Make sure to subscribe so you automatically get notified when new episodes are released. Are you looking for a way to connect with other entrepreneurs that are facing the same challenges as you? I'd love to connect with you in the Road to 7 Facebook group on Instagram and LinkedIn. Just head to SheilaCummins.com. You will find all the links that you need right there. Together, we'll explore more ways to support your shift into action so that you can grow your business to finally match your vision. I love aligning your vision of success with strategic and intentional actions because that is how we will grow your business to match your vision. I focus on women, all women, because women hold the keys and the power to creating a powerful and positive world through their impact. We'll see you on the next episode.